Welcome to the Dumb and Dumbest Podcast, a music industry podcast where everything is terrible and the house is on fire. I am here with two people I've learned a lot from who I'm very excited to have gotten on this podcast, uh, Life Jensen and Ula Garrett, who has a very silly username today. That is correct. Hello, everyone. Hey. How are you guys doing? Life. Um, well, I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we were chit-chatting a little bit before, and uh, and I was just saying that it's it's a beautiful day over here today. Hope you guys are okay. And I feel like I've this is what the third time I've talked to you, Matt. So I feel like okay, yeah, okay. people are people are kind of sick of my voice. So I'm going to let life take the lead on most of these things. Okay, fair enough. I remain I remain enamored with your voice. You are. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the point being. Um, okay, so what I wanted to get in, there was a few things I wanted to get into with you guys, right? And I kind of wanted, and you and I talked about this a little bit already, Ula, but from your perspective, life, how did you see the origins of clandestine music? What made your unique sort of partnership make sense to you early on? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, um, short story would be that um there is a friendship above all things between me and Ula and we agree about a lot of things when it comes to music and the related business to it since we are working together for a while already and we just figured out that we can maybe put our um knowledge and um uh, quote-unquote talents uh, uh into works together uh, to maximize you know the efforts of a changing industry basically uh we wanted a setup where we could cherry pick uh to work with the bands that we like to maybe come in and rectify a situation if need be and 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 add something positive to to the sometimes sterile and rather boring business side of the music that we like to listen to, you know. Um, I guess that's a short story if, if it doesn't sound too, too, no, too lame and superficial. No, of course. But so I guess the question is, how do you, what aspects of the business were you trying to fix when you kind of did this like manager meets lawyer duo partnership? Um, I guess it was going more on the artist side than, than what we previously were uh, exclusively doing which was label uh, the label side of things mm -hmm. um, so we wanted to also represent the artists and uh, step in to that gap that there is for I'm gonna say smaller and more middle-sized bands that maybe don't have proper advice proper uh, uh, proper representation when it comes to just business overall basically I mean there is there is good management out there but Obviously, as as in um, as in most parts of the industry, um, the the good people try to go for the bigger fish, right? Sure. So um, there is a there is a vast majority of really talented and especially up and coming artists that we thought were not getting, um, yeah, the proper the proper helping hand, and uh, that part spoke to me and I guess to Yula as well in uh, in regards to um, yeah 
filling that gap and making ourselves available for whenever we feel we can help a case on behalf of the band. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I, I think it would be, of course, really cool. You know, it's it's really cool when you work with a band that that takes off and something really big happens and to work with, like on a bigger stage and all that. But, you know, on the other hand, like if you look at, at Life's record collection and mine, um, you're not going to see a lot of major label releases, for instance, right? You know, it's just how our tastes skew. If anything, it's like labels that maybe put out three records in some underground fashion in East Germany in like late 88 or whatever and disappeared. Um, so yeah, we just always like have kind of gravitated towards, I would say, like really independent music and of course more on the metal side of things than anything else. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, we were just like, okay, there is like a knowledge, uh, like a lack of, of basic understanding on some of these things. And I think we yeah. saw from our experience with labels, how it was unfortunately being exploited a lot of times. I love that 88 East German reference. Uh, that was before the borders opened, but uh, yeah, that was a nice one. Um, I was I, thinking I, more like uh, metal enterprises or something, but yeah, I was off by a couple of years. No, but uh, uh, I guess I guess the the bottom line is uh, the underdogs. You know, like that's that's the type of bands that I personally was always fascinated by. Like some bands that maybe were better than people understood them, and uh, didn't have the chances or didn't have the timing or most of all didn't have the proper, um, yeah, the, the the proper advice and maybe the proper help to to uh, reach a step further than they did and that's maybe that's maybe what encouraged us to get started with this uh, originally since we had some friends in amongst the artists and, among, and amongst the bands uh, we figured that maybe it's a good starting point for them to come to a friend in the business absolutely what so you talk about rooting for the underdog what makes what makes a band something that you believe in? Like, at what point do you look at a band and you go, okay, there's something there? Just a lot of gut feel. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, the, the uh, personal taste obviously is the most important things. And sometimes if an extremely un unsuccessful band uh, uh, happens uh, to be exactly what I enjoy, uh, then I'm going to stand by them. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, but I guess we have been around in the sense that we could feel if there is something going on, if there is um, an organic um, plateau there that the band either, you know, like like created by themselves or maybe they don't know that they created because the music just, just shows it. Um, or that there is a scene developing around uh, around a certain band um, that would be a good idea to explore. Um, I think it's a mix of those things. Uh, honestly, sometimes you get referenced uh, to a certain band by people, but uh, if you just if you just walk around with your ears and eyes wide open, uh, like we do because we're interested in the music, um, you, you run into those bands. And that's, of course, like the ones where you're taking up the cause and you're like, okay, I love this band. I want to work with them. Let's see if we can help them. And then, of course, there's others that, you know, I mean, we have like a lot of bands that it's just, it doesn't even matter what I or life think of the music. It's like, if we can help them, we're going to help them. Uh, yeah. It's just, of course, nice when you have like those few that you're like, I really want to work with this band just because I think they're they're just amazing. They might never pop, they might never do anything significant, but I love the music so much that I just want to say that I did what I could to help this band in some way. 
Yeah, and I, and I guess it doesn't hurt that, you know, at some point when, when I started working for labels uh, in 1999, um, I started with an A&R position, which uh, uh, definitely taught me from the very beginning uh, to, to look for talent and to scout a band. And th th that sort of approach and hunger has not changed a lot, regardless of what position I, I've been filling in the business. I still always try to look for something that maybe people don't know yet or haven't fully discovered like that 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 I still find it very interesting to start with a demo band or a not established band when it comes to forging them yeah absolutely well there's sort of this like this challenge of like oh can I be the guy who pushes yeah. them over the cliff over the hump rather Absolutely. And the moment that they're big and successful, they'll have a lot of other friends and, uh, you know, then, then, then I'm equally fine with that. But the moment that they really don't have a friend, I always wanted to be that guy. <laughs> Although, I, you know, I mean, to be fair, I don't think any, any person can make a band into something that they're not. The band has all the ability and, you know, there's can be people that kind of try to steer them in the right direction. But it, it, it is true, like life said, like, you know, the more a band takes off, uh, the more people try and glom onto that and we'll come out of nowhere and like start giving them advice and whatever and trying to get in somehow. And, you know, some bands are, are good about it and stay the course and others are very easily distracted, you know, like tempted by um, anyone that's whispering like promises of whatever in their ear. And that's, you know, sometimes what separates the great from the good. Well, and it's, it, it's hard to tell and it's interesting to watch life. You were talking about sort of, self-imposed um, limitations that bands don't realize they even have. Mm -hmm. What, how, can you, can you explain that a, a little bit better for people who might not be understanding? Well, no, that, that is a tough uh, question. <laughs> what, what part of it is it that you want me to, like well, because the, I the, think, the business side of things or? Well, cause I think that like, when you talk about limitations on bands, you know, on like there's, the obvious where it's like, oh, this guy has three kids, you know, although sometimes you can overcome that. Look at Conan, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't, I wasn't even, uh, even going into, into those type of limitations. I was, uh, I was more referring to the fact that, um, you know, when, when, when they're, when they're bloody beginners, they will put everything they know into the music and try and try to, to move forwards. Uh, that said, they, it's all practice, you know, they, they, they will not know the handbook. They will not be able to, to separate a good from, from a horrible advice uh, at, at the, at the beginning stage. And they will need to, um, yeah, to find people that, you know, uh, can help them for booking their shows better than they would do themselves for reading their contracts better than they would do themselves for uh, taking care of their, uh, bank account or taxes better than they would do by themselves. I mean, n n a mu musician is most normally really good at doing music and not of the, at the rest from the very beginning. And that, that's what I meant with limitations that you sort of, mm -hmm. um, you will always be facing a situation where some of those things might overwhelm you and might distract you from doing the music. And that's, that's the moment where you, uh, if you feel that you need, that you need help in any of those uh, parts, um, one of the aspects of the work that me and Yula do with clandestine is actually to, uh, if we cannot provide the help ourselves, to at least try to 
point them into a direction where they will find somebody who who uh, who will take them on and who will hopefully help them with that with that endeavor. Absolutely, and that's something I've really admired about what you do. I remember we were talking somewhere last year, you know, when when lives were good. Um, uh, and you said that a lot of what you do with clandestine is just connecting people. Yes. Was that, was that a goal from the start or how did you, because how, how did you get to that realization in life? Well, I mean, networking is a huge part of, yeah, of, of course. Of, you know, I, and, and nobody will be able to tell that tale better than yourself. I mean, networking is, is, is the bread and butter of our, of our business. And, um, you know, some bands maybe are not that connected. Some bands are uh, uh, maybe not good at promoting themselves or, or are especially bad in promoting themselves by doing it too much or in a, in a bad way. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the, uh, I think what, what helped me and Eula probably in this position is that we came from a background where we, you know, started as, as first and foremost as fans and not as educated business people. Um, and then went through different positions and different, um, yeah, different angles uh, in, into this music world. I mean, you know. Orbit I, angles, some might say. <laughs> no, but, but I mean, you know, we, we, we both have a background where we did a fanzine at some point, uh, where we did tape trading, where, I mean, Yula was working a, a local record store, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I was putting up local shows in my area. Um, I was playing in the band for many years I tour uh, which is something that you less yet to do but you know at some point he will I'm sure um, but you know th there is those things that that let you let you learn from from about the one and the same thing from different angles which which is very important and which makes the networking almost um, um, yeah almost a, an organic thing these days like I don't really some, sometimes I'm just at, at an event and I talk to five or six people that I know that are working in the business in different positions and all I'm doing is networking basically uh, and I don't even think about it it, it comes yeah. very natural I, I think the thing you know to mention there as well is like that you know we neither of us would go to somewhere and be like oh let's go and network let's let's yeah, find cool. that person and whatever it's just it's an organic thing of like oh that's the people i know so i'm going to speak to them and in the course of this you talk business and you know like like life and i are even very dis different in this aspect as far as that he's very social and outgoing you know and at a show he knows everyone or whatever i'm shy and introverted and i don't like that whole thing but i know a ton of people just from my work because i'm great behind a keyboard right um so between that even just knowing all these people and at some point you're in the trust and whatever and then yeah you just go and a lot of times it is just like someone's like oh i really need someone and you're like well okay i've got just the perfect guy and you just put them together and you don't it's not that you benefit from it you know but if they benefit then that's kind of doing a service to the scene overall i think I like the idea of doing a service to the scene overall. <laughs> Without an override, you know, I hate that part of it. <laughs> doing somebody a favor and cutting yourself in by doing that, I think that's that's actually a pretty despicable thing. But, uh, you know, uh, that said, it's part of the music business as well. Well, I, I think it's tricky. I think that, I think that you need to be willing, for, for my perspective, and I'm kind of curious for your input on this then, is like be willing to connect people no matter what. And then if you get cut in on it for whatever reason, so be it. 
I think the cut in that you get basically is just broadening your reputation as being that's, someone yeah, that's exactly. kind of cool and outgoing, you know, rather than being, I mean, like, you know, let's face it in some of my work that I do, I'll do things for like, uh, you know, like a, a percentage fee if I can find them additional work or whatever, like when it comes to licensing or things like that, it's like, I've, I've done that before. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, a lot of times it's really just like, Hey, if, if that guy would benefit and you would benefit, that's great because it means maybe a better record or, you know, like a, whatever, a better tour or something else. And that's all we want. Like, you know, we're not out to see like anybody fail. Yeah. And, and, and you know, sometimes in the long-term relationship, you know, an artist or, or somebody you're working with will turn around and say like, Hey, you actually made me money. Uh, here is your cut. I mean, I'm obviously not opposed to that. And if I make somebody money, uh, I would, be happy to be part of it but the overall networking and the just the general putting together people and and making things move uh i don't think is something that you need to be paid for i think that yeah. that that should be so natural that th this is why i said I, I don't enjoy seeing it with other people because i know some people that understand the business of networking as something that must be paid paid out to them basically for doing and i i don't i don't think so i think you know knowledge should be free and i think networking should be free yeah or like networking as a professional obligation which i also disagree with i mean it's got to be very organic and it's just that if, especially if you you're around long enough you know enough people your reputation is solid you know people are happy to see you so they just start talking and of course if they know you know every everything that's going on and they are connected with people you're always like oh so what's happening you know what happened with that label once they got taken over and like oh what about that band that had the problems with the singer did that get resolved and it's you know in a way you're playing your own individual blabbermouth basically um but that's that's how a lot of these things happen absolutely and i find I find it funny sometimes at some of the bigger music conferences, some of the forced networking and how awkward some of that can feel. Um, you know, like some of the, the almost speed dating meetings. There is merit to those as well, I guess. You oh, know, I don't disagree, uh, but I also feel a little bit disconcerted at times. I mean, yeah. this is what I picture the old, like to me when someone says like Nam, that's what I picture. I've never been there, you know, but I just see the way that it looks and it's like you're going up and you're trying to get someone's attention for 30 seconds. I mean, you know, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but yeah, I mean, I guess there's a few things like this where, yeah, you're trying to like justify your existence and, and hold someone's attention and maybe get a card and whatever. And I'm like, I, that's, I, I don't really have like the, uh, the patience for that, to be honest. Well, but then again, feels... I'm, I'm, I'm not very good at selling myself, um, you know, and that's maybe also an issue. But yeah, uh, it's it's also to some extent, of course, necessary. Well, it just feels corny a lot of the time if it's done incorrectly. You know, like yeah, I, I can I can see that, that, that you know, that that said, I guess to to each his own and uh, I, I personally have been part of a couple of those music conferences somewhere rather uninteresting some were actually very interesting just oh, because totally. of the the you know the which people are involved what the topics were um but yeah i in in general there is there is a reason why i try to say stay away from um the the public in the spotlight for for some of the work that we do um uh, hence us working more in the background because i don't personally um, you know that that part that Yula mentioned before about being social and all that that that's that's fine, but I don't need that that um, 
profile and necessarily the the um, I, I don't know the I, I'm doing this podcast with you because I actually get along with you, right? Yeah, <laughs> which I appreciate. <laughs> But yeah, but I'm not. I'm not actually. I'm not very good at explaining of what uh, what I'm doing. A certain uh, of why and, and what I'm exactly doing with with my with my working time. So sure. that's that's the part that is a little bit awkward sometimes because when you run into those into those um, conferences, uh, speed datings as you call them, um, you know, it's it's all about like lying down what why why you exist and why your why your slot is so important and i don't i don't think that that i'm that guy yeah i mean you know and obviously like and just to be clear for you know if, if someone from one of those music conferences is listening I, I i like those i've gotten a lot out of them i just i find it interesting to see some of the layers um and how some things from like the more conventional business world don't really transpose over to like underground metal Right, right, and 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 actually, I think Nam is not exactly what you envisions it to be. I think if you are, um, um, you know, if you, if you are coming from performing artist uh, side of things, and if you are involved with equipment and and instruments, I think it's actually a pretty interesting and important platform. I, I hereby would like to extend my apologies to the National Association of Music Merchants and everyone affiliated with that fine organization. <laughs> Don't forget your your touring career is yet to start. You know you don't want to. So okay, so so just as to to pivot into a different world because this is actually something I've been thinking about a lot and I think is kind of interesting. Both of you guys got your start doing fanzines or part of your start doing fanzines. Um, you know, and I kind of came from a similar place with a blog. And I've really I find it really interesting, and I want your input as to why sort of that coming from a blog or a fanzine perspective, like why that helps artists or um, industry people across multiple generations. Cause I've seen people who started in the seventies have success. And then people who started two years ago have success just by starting by writing, even if they weren't good writers. Why does that work so well? Hmm. You, know, you want to take that bullet? Um, sure. Uh... For one thing, I, I think one of the most important things is that it shows that you're so eager to be part of this that you're willing to really take that extra effort. Yeah. And often, you know, I mean, like when, you, you know, at least speaking for putting together like a fanzine, um, you're getting into something you really aren't familiar with and you have to get into quite a few aspects of it, you know, where you're, you might be sorting out like interviews or you're like, you know, delegating responsibility, like, okay, who's going to do what and how are we going to do this and how many pages and dealing with publicists and trying to set things up. And then, you know, you're like, okay, then we get into the printing or copying and distribution of it. You know, do we just hand it out? Are we trying to sell it? Uh, do we trade, you know, like zines and, and flyers and whatever, like there's all these things that go into it that I think, that can only benefit you in a business sense later on, even if it's not business, even if you're just like, I'm just a fan, but you got involved on a deeper level. And for me, like, you know, when I did a fanzine and then all of a sudden it was like, here's records for free. And I was like, wow. Like when that package came in, you know, of like whatever, even just advanced cassettes or something, that was like the greatest thing in the world, especially when it's like, here's the new death record two months before it comes out, you know? And I'm like, okay, I don't ever want to do anything different the rest of my life, right? <laughs> and then someone's like, hey, do you want to get into that show for free? I'd be like, okay, twist my arm. 
you know? So I'm like, that alone, it's like, it's like to me, the benefits like greatly, greatly outweighed the effort. And it's a lot of effort to do some of those things. Like it can really be an enormous amount of effort. But I think even doing that and wearing all those different hats and seeing what side of it is there. And, and sometimes that helps people gravitate. And they're like, oh, you know, I want to get into like radio promotion or I want to do something else. Um, it's, I think it's, it's like a great introduction to, to make, you know, to put that substantial amount of effort and money because you're, you're spending your own money and time and everything as well, just into something that's basically what you love doing or what you, you know, what you enjoy the most. Yeah. yeah I think, I think also an important part is that it was probably a movement of, you know, like-minded people when it comes to the music that were growing up and learning step-by-step step together, basically. I mean, uh, you know, it was it was teenage years and 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 and, and a starting point. Um, at the same time, a lot of the bands that you know, uh, for for me, it was thrash and death metal that actually got me started in the early '90s for for fanzines for doing shows and eventually uh, for my own band. And I was all of a sudden I was part of that movement. Uh, and the other people that were there were around my age, maybe a little bit older than me. Um, but it felt like we were doing something together at the same time, which was, which was just very positive and, and um, yeah, encouraging. And I'm, I'm sure life, like, you know, I, I noticed as well, there was other fanzine editors that you would meet and you almost had like a kinship in a way, even if you yeah. were on totally different, you know, and it's like, okay, you understand this and I understand this. And, you know, yeah, we're, you know, this is what we do from like, you know, when we're done work or school up until we go to bed. Um, and, you know, that, adds up um and of course the chicks you know fan like fanzines <laughs> just draw the chicks left and right but, it, but it's but, but it's funny how none of the other fencing guys you used to you used to think of as a competitor right i mean it, it was more like no. oh dude i used to write letters to this guy for three years i've never even seen his face i mean this is way before the internet right no so so, so you, you run into somebody in southern germany at the show and you're like dude you're the same guy that i send stamps to and five german marks and i trust you that money and now, you know, the guy seemed like a cool dude. You had a drink with him. You had a chat. Like, it, it was as innocent as that, basically. And and it, it didn't make you think of a bigger picture, which I thought was very, very nice and a good, good healthy start, you know? It's pretty interesting how many fanzine editors really went on to have, like, long, long careers in the music yeah, industry. Absolutely. Or not even fan, I'm saying blog as well, you know, anything, yeah, like yeah, anything yeah, exactly. if you're doing, like a webzine, all that. I mean, but it, it really shows, I think, like that this is like where your heart is. And if you show that you have the acumen for it, then I think it's much, much easier to make a transition into like a starting job somewhere and then work your way up. One thing I found coming out of the blog fanzine world that really helped, that's kind of adjacent to this, is I was just, because I was like writing like a review a day. I was just exposed to more than most other people, which meant I kind of saw what worked a lot faster. Mm -hmm. Did you did you ever feel a similar thing where you were able to like, especially early on, be like, oh, okay, these are the elements I should actually be seeing in a press release, or this is how a good band photo is, just because you were consuming so much more than maybe your average fan? Maybe, because usually, you know, was more more of an overview of. Um, of of the whole of the whole scene basically but to be honest in all fairness i was dealing with a death metal fanzine so whatever wasn't in that style I, 
didn't really get much of a chance with us. <laughs> so, so, so maybe not. No, I, I think I started more narrow-minded than I am these days in, uh, in that sense. But I'm saying even within the narrow-mindedness, like you can sort of see which bands are more professional or no. Um, yeah, I guess so. But that's that said, with the fanzine approach, I mean, it's you try to you try to feature and to promote the bands that you actually really really like, and mostly sure. that was the music and not so much the, the the looks, the presentation, the the how good their English was in the letters or how how quickly they replied or um, um, so. So I guess I guess you you could you could start sensing it, but it it wasn't really the 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 full picture that you were getting. So so I'm I'm not sure I can I can agree with you on that one, but. Uh, but it was a really good starting point and a, and a very hands-on starting point, basically, yeah. Absolutely. Um, as we sort of spiral towards the end of this thing. Spiral. <laughs> I don't know, spi spiral is a word that can, I've been using the word spiral a lot, I'm sorry. Circling the drain. I don't view this as circling, I view this as uh, enlightenment. Oh, I see, okay. <laughs> no, what I wanted to kind of get into is like, what are the most obvious way, or what are the most important ways that are significant ways you see people screwing up that should be easily avoidable at any level right now? I'm in thought, by the way. I'm, I'm right, just right, I'm yeah. thinking. I, I need you to rephrase that. Basically, what are the biggest mistakes you see bands making right now that they're not thinking that they're making? Phew. I mean, it's, it's fast times, right? I think a lot of people are very impatient. Uh, I think a lot of people don't allow themselves to become better in what they do on different levels. Um, but is that necessarily something bad? I mean, in the end of the day, it pushes you just to work harder and faster and uh, and keep up with times. Uh, I don't know. It's. Uh, hmm. I mean, a couple of years ago, if you would have asked me this, I would have said, "Well, you know, maybe you're not going with times. Maybe you're not digital enough. Maybe." But I guess everybody is a, by now. You know, uh, I think also the the that problem that we we used to have with you know certain stylistic hypes and people like like switching their attitude and switching their 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 musical style just to be able to commercially compete that's also like non-existing anymore because there is so much that all works in its own niche at the same time right that used to be one of those typical problems uh with with artists that they they were sort of like going left and right instead of moving forwards um i don't know i i maybe i'm the wrong person to answer this one I mean, I, you know, because I was thinking now that, I mean, there's there's certain things that have been there since the beginning where you could just say like that a, a band that doesn't really know what they want and are trying to please other people rather than themselves are, are probably doomed to fail, um, you know, or chasing the latest trend or something like this, because by the time they actually get good at it, it's things have already moved on. Um, and, you know, the, the entire setup of, of the game has changed as far as, bands used to not be able to get onto a big enough 
like stage, so to speak, you know, in the world until you got signed to a label and they could get your material out there. And, you know, so you would do a number of demos and, you know, that would show like, okay, once you're good enough, you get the deal and then it goes up to like, you know, a bigger platform. But as it is now, everyone has everything launched everywhere immediately. So it's, it's not quite the same. And then it comes down to more like promotion and marketing muscle. Um, So it's, you know, or retail or whatever. And so it's, it's, the game has changed considerably. Um, and, you know, you could just say that like bands that are, um, you know, if, if they go in and sign the first thing that's put in front of them uh, without really having it, you know, a checked out, that can be disastrous. Um, if they're not protecting their interests or if they're, you know, too trusting or not trusting enough, you know, we know bands that make decisions too readily and others that are, you know, paranoid about making any decision. Um, and it's, it's finding sort of like the, the golden middle in there. Um, but, you know, when we see bands that have made mistakes nowadays, I don't know that there's too much that comes up from like, oh, this again. It's, there's a million ways to make mistakes. Well, you know, the one thing that is definitely not helpful right now, there is a huge insecurity between the, the, the setup of the whole industry and how things are changing so quickly. Um, you know, does it make sense for me to crowdfund? Does it make sense for me to self-release, to do my own digital exploitation? Does it make sense for me to sign a deal with a label, even though I know it's a shitty deal? Um, th- th- those are things that are especially difficult at this point where the industry is changing and morphing. Um, I don't know if necessarily that is something that a band would would mistakenly decide uh, or if it's just the, the, the situation being between the worlds right now and we need to wait and see how things pan out with you know the physical format of music the the way that digital is being appreciated by your own fans in the long run um, how much more this turns into a um, I'm going to put out a record only to be able to go on tour and make money because that's 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 a reality to some of the bands. You know, they are making their money by merchandise and 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 by playing shows on the road. And I'm not sure that this this was the thought at the very beginning. You know, when when things started for some of the bands that are, that I call my favorites, it was all about the music, and then the rest sort of like happened. Now it's more like the rest is happening. How do I make the music to continue the game? You know, uh, not saying for everybody, but but for some bands who are already like like part of that system, it is it is one of the one of the things that you need to put into the mix. And uh, yeah, that 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 makes you go interesting ways at the moment where it's not clear which direction this is headed. And and of course, right now it's even you know more complicated by the fact that there is no normal sort of yeah um, oh, right now you mean right now yeah right now you yeah. know where it's like people are like oh you can't even count on touring or festivals or whatever and things like this that people would normally do um let alone you know when you're like oh is this going to hurt retail even further or is this going to cause you know like a quicker you know or more quicker death of physical formats yeah. or hurt it even faster it's it's yeah we're in especially turbulent times i guess and everyone's like very uncertain and like you know what's going to like emerge on the other side of this um i mean the 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 one coming back to your question matt i think that the one thing that is that is that is actually i just come to realize as while we're speaking the one thing that is a mistake that i see bands do over and over is that they think they need to work themselves up to the level that a label signs them on and then it's the label taking care of everything else yeah. and those times have changed because i don't think the labels have uh 
you know the 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 funding the the willingness to risk and also the time to break an artist through like the way they maybe did when their label was three or four artists and the scene was just emerging um so so yeah that that is that is definitely something that i that i still encounter up to this very day that a band thinks once they're on the label they're off the hook and everything is good uh the, those that's just not the way it's happening anymore absolutely thank you very much i think that's a good place to drop it um, this is the Dumb and Dumbest. You have been listening.